welcome back to AA Opera Podcast, episode 84. Is it just me? But I feel like the weeks are going by so quickly at the moment. Really fast. Really, really fast. And I also feel like I just can't keep up with everything. Yeah. Guys, we have a thing every week where we can't remember who whose turn it is to introduce the podcast. And so we, we have to listen to the previous episode all the time. It's become a bit of a tradition where we're almost like at the point of waging bets <laughs> under whose turn it is. If anyone was to wage a bet for today, you would definitely win. But also your eyes would scare the person because you are so excited to be right. I just love to be right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, how's your week been? It's been fine. It went by really quickly, but it was actually really nice because on Friday I went to sing the Ukrainian national anthem with Opera Holland Park in front of a Blodomia statue. You did, and uh, I watched from afar on social media and was there in spirit. But that was a fantastic thing set up by Opera Holland Park. You can still donate to the British Ukrainian Aid. There'll be a link uh, on this episode. What about you? How's your week? Yeah, fine. Uh, I think I mentioned last week that we were due visitors, so um, I got to see my mum for a bit this week, which was nice. Um, alongside the, the busy working schedule, I've got a lot of kids in for exams at the moment, um, so that's fun. Um, yeah, and just, just cracking on with things. I, mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie, we're at that middle March point and I'm ready for the Easter holiday, like just <sighs> ready for some time. That like, it hits March and you just want a break. Like... I don't know what it is. We had a break in February. Yeah. It didn't feel like a break. No. But now I just want like Easter. I I don't, I I want change. Yeah. I kind of want the sun to stay out for a bit longer. You are dressed very, very nicely today. I must say I'm loving this kind of springtime dress. I wore contact lenses. (laughs) But springtime is on the way and that's quite nice. I'm one of these people and it is a thing. I think I have it where your emotions are affected by the weather. Sad. Sad. That's what it's called. Is that? Oh yes, it is. Yeah, you're right. Um, I just feel really good when the sun's out. Well, yeah. Mine. I think especially in this country, you feel that because it's just also. It was like yesterday. I walked into my student's house and I said to them, "Oh, it's so nice to be here in daylight." Yeah, it's nice to finish the day and actually get up when it's not dark. Yeah. As well. um, I never thought I would say that. Yeah. I really like. I have lived here long enough now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but this week's episode, we have Nadine Benjamin, soprano, and she'll tell you all about her. She has a very interesting career and a very interesting pathway into the industry. So check it out. Hello, Nadine, and a big warm welcome to AA Opera Podcast. Can you start off by introducing yourself to our listeners? Hi, I am Nadine Benjamin. I'm a professional soprano and I'm a creative empowerment coach. Ah, love that. Amazing. Can you actually share with us what was your first experience of opera? My first experience of opera, oh my gosh. Um, Ah, I know. It was when um, I was leaving secondary school and uh, my teacher, Mrs. Lake, played me the Queen of the Night's aria from Mozart's Magic Flute and said to me, you can sing like that one day. I'd like you to know that you could sing like that one day. Wow. What, what an inspiration. It was. Yeah. It was, it was a seed that was sown. 
I mean, what an aria to start with as well. I know. <laughs> That's like all gigs telling you, do you know people who win the Olympics? <laughs> so can you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when researching your background, we were in awe of your unconventional route into opera. Mm. So to set you up nicely for this question, we'd mm. like to ask, was it always your plan to become an opera singer? No, not at all. Um, I didn't even know I was going to become an opera singer until that moment of the magic flute. Um, and the seeds had been planted within my being and, that, and it had started to grow. I always knew I was going to be a star. Um, I didn't know what star meant at that time. It, for me, um, I, the kids used to ask me to sing in the playground and I used to um, get, I sang Oh Christmas Tree once in an assembly <laughs> and everybody thought it was the record, you know. So there was these times that kept happening for me. So I knew that something magical was, was going to happen. And then as I've evolved as an adult into my adulthood and stuff, I kind of have now know that the star is just somebody who shines brightly. Yeah. It's just somebody who's got a message, somebody who brings light into other people's worlds and healing into other people's worlds. Wow, that's beautiful. Mm. You are one of many singers on this podcast who have come from the Harrowood Artist Program at e mm. What was your time at Harrowood Artist like and how would you describe e yeah. uh, Well, I've had a, quite a, a, a funny journey with e They've had me at different times of my development, actually. Um, I first did, I, I just did um, one term of, um, oh my goodness, what was it called? I can't remember what their first programme was called, I'm so sorry. But they had a, a first programme Mary King used to do. And I did a small term of that. And then I went away for a few years and I didn't sing up for them at all. I was singing musical theatre and, you know, pop songs. And then I came back to them when they did opera works and that was kind of like a weekend course for singers. You know, Elizabeth Llewellyn was on that as well at the time and uh, Rhonda Brown was on that. There was other people that were on that, that, that as well. And that kind of signified to me that I knew nothing about what I had just embarked on and that, you know, I was just this kind of student, which was great and that was a great learning. But it also taught me about the tools of what I would need to become a professional. And then um, they asked me to be, later on, when I, you know, got more experience, they asked me to become a part of the Harvard Artist Programme. I loved being on the Harvard Artist Programme. I think one of the things that is very reflective of the Harvard Artists is that they're very supportive of what you feel your journey is. So it's very individualised to who you are. They can only give you this experience of the rep that they're going to do, obviously, you know, so it's not like we get to pick our roles or anything. But, um, you know, I've always been interested in Verdi, say, and American songs. So they gave, they allowed me to do an American song concert and, yeah. you know, for their American patrons and things like that. So, and they've always, since leaving, they've always kept the relationship with me. So I think, you know, for me, the Harvard artist, Ian O for me is about joining a family and entering into a relationship that is willing to watch you grow. Just before um, before ENO and before your training as an opera singer, is it right that you started out in a career in finance? I did, yes. I started off in an architectural company first um, as an office studio and I was opening post every day. Yeah. And I was I looked at the PA and you know who I was working for was, you know, and I was like, I can do your job blindfolded and I went back to my YTS thing because I was doing a business administration um, at VQ and 
And I was like, what's the highest level I have to do to do what she does? <laughs> and, you know, so I went back and uh, I ended up in corporate finance in um, the city. And it was really great for me because they could see I was a sponge. Anyway, there like t- executive assistant um, left and as she was walking out the door she said you can do my job blindfolded <laughs> so what happened is she left and on the Monday morning I sat in her seat <laughs> no questions <laughs> asked and nobody said told me to leave and I took over her position it was hilarious <laughs> I was like 16 and a half or 17 it was so funny yeah and then they taught me about rights issues mergers and acquisitions they really taught me you know I would do things like if I typed and I made a mistake, they would let me. They, I would have to start again. You know, they were really about you know attention to detail. It was a, it was it was it was a fabulous experience for me. But there was always that burning desire to become a an opera singer. No, a singer. Just a, a singer. Yeah, just yeah. a singer because I sang pop. I sang yeah, garage, okay, yeah. I sang drum and bass. I'm a songwriter. I write poetry. I compose. Yeah. There's quite a lot in my bandwidth that just I don't really artist, talk about. Just an artist. Yeah, just an artist. You yeah. know. So, and um, I think I didn't really realise that I could become an opera singer until I was on a trading floor, and I had this juxtaposition of being offered a job that had loads and loads of money. And recognising that once I walk through that door, there might not be an opportunity to experience this. And then that's when Mrs. Late's, you know, magic flute came in my head again. And then I was like, I need to go and see if this is what I want to do. Let's try what opera is. What is this? You are in high demand as a soprano and have performed one of some of the most iconic roles um, for sopranos, Musetta, Aida, Contessa. Um, But you've recently been performing, as you say, uh, American contemporary music, and you, you've got quite a, a broad range of repertoire. Um, you've also performed in uh, a premiere of an opera as well, The Crossing, which I was reading about, and yeah. it sounds amazing. I wanted to ask, um, what do you prefer? Do you prefer performing classic roles or creating new ones? So this is really interesting because I feel like I'm having a, um, what do they call it, when you meet both sides of something? Uh, Folk in the road sort it's of thing, like yeah. closing at a beginning and an ending, basically. Okay. I started as an opera singer. I was always contemporary music. Mm-hmm. That's how I started in the beginning. And um, I remember singing, premiering uh, John Harbison's Milosh songs. And he came over from the States, and um, I was in front of him. And he said, and he looked at me, and he goes, where's your music? I said, why do I need my, need my music? I've learned it all. So he sat in my front room and I, and I sang them and he said, I've never had anyone perform the music, my music without, you know, my pieces without music, you know, because I just didn't need the music. So contemporary music was always really easy for me. Um, but what my heart has always been in is the traditional opera. So I knew that my route had to, I had to make that kind of adjustment, but I couldn't make that adjustment until I was trusted. You know, the, you know, we all know, I didn't go to conservatoire, so I had to do it via my actual stage experience of what I did. So now, the next couple of years, I've kind of come back to this contemporary music again. So I'm doing William Todd's new opera, Migrations. But I feel like this is a closing, because I think I'm going to work with this in 2022 and 2023. And for 2024... I'm going to stay in my traditional Verdi, mm. Puccini, Strauss space and not leaving it. So that's my, I'm making a very clear boundary, a very clear juxtaposition for myself because I'm in charge of my career. 
I'm in charge of my vocation, I'm in charge of my life. So I have to make the decisions of what my audience is going to benefit from me the best at and that it's in those in that repertoire. I think it's really interesting that you say that because for someone who has come through the conservatoire system, mm. not with everybody, but there is this notion of you need to find what singer you are and put yourself in a box of of roles. And I think you've done obviously the perfect thing of exploring contemporary music and the more traditional roles, but you are still setting yourself, okay, 2022, 2023, contemporary, and then 2024. But having that flexibility as an artist, I can imagine, might be quite rewarding. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I don't think it was flexibility, I'm going to be completely honest. Okay. I'm not going to lie, you know. Um, I think when you're first starting out as an artist, you just have to do what, you've, what you're being offered. I think yeah. as much experience as you can get allows you to become more in charge of who you are. Mm. I yeah. think you cannot make an, a choice about where you're going without being informed about all the styles. It just doesn't make any sense. So you have to jump in, take a leap of faith and do things that you think, oh my God, that might not suit me, but let's try it or da-da-da-da. So you can make an informed choice about where you can go. That journey might take a whole 10 years. Yeah. You know, because American Song, for instance, I've always done American Song. I've known in America as the British exponent of, of American Song. I've been doing American Song for 12 years. Yeah. You know, so... Um, it's one of those things, I have loads of publications of American song composers' work that they just send to me now, Can I, you know, so if I've got time, I put them in my concerts. And, you know, so making relationships with people as well, making relationships with composers and pianists and people that you really wish to work with, if not now, in the future. You know, I think that's really, that, all that informs the choice of the artist that you wish to become. I'm now just putting a, a line in the sand because I feel like now that I've had all of this experience, I understand this is what serves me best. So what do you think is needed in this industry to make it more accessible to people and more relatable to our times? Keep it moving, yeah, keep it moving. Well, I think, you know, keeping things moving is also the responsibility of the artist as well as the industry. There is a a perception, that's what I wish to say, and again, I'm going to just go into this quickly. I'm highly dyspraxic, so I've got a disability. I'm a neuro, very neurodiverse. Nobody knows that, you know, but actually I've had to be really um, transparent to other, other companies that I work with because um, it will affect how I work and my needs in that job of how I do things. But again, that took me a long time to be able to tell someone <laughs> yeah. that this is what I need in order for me to work because I was afraid of them not employing me, you know? Yeah. So things like that is more transparency, not just from the other companies, but from the artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding that everybody has a different way of working. You know, I now have a disability and practice document that I hand in to companies that I work for so they can see how to best work with me in the way in within the boundaries of what they have in working with me and then if they have a particular set work i'm also interested in learning about how they work so i can work with them much better you know i i think we have to remember that the artist and the company or the artist and the organization we are in a relationship with each other we are in exchange of looking across not up or down or round we're we're making this piece together you know, and I think there's got to be this um, this way of 
understanding, especially for the people coming up, that it is uh, an art form that needs all of us in order for us to make the work brilliant. It's always about the work. Mm-hmm. It's not about where you are in your career. You know, sometimes those questions do have to be asked, answered. You know, so sometimes I will have to make a choice. I had to make a choice of when I was going to stop singing chorus. And I had to make a start choice of when I was going to stop singing contemporary. And then I ended up in traditional stuff. And now I opened a window again because we came into a space where I've come back into contemporary because there's new voices. And I want to experience those new voices. But then I'm going to make another choice again. And I think the more flexible we can be with understanding that in humanity, the only thing that is consistent is change. So we have to be flexible with that as artists as well as organisations. And also in respect of diversity, diversity isn't just about colour, it's about age, it's about gender, it's about, you know, sexuality, you know, it's about, um, it's about socioeconomic background, it's about so many things, yeah, that we recognise that we're not all the same and that different people require different things can you at the beginning of projects ask about those things can you when you collaborate with someone ask that even in this podcast yeah you know when you're get, getting your guests on can you say ask are there any needs that you need before we come into the room you know yeah. like things like that are very important yeah. we're in relationship with each other yeah you know this is not us and them this is an us this is a we this is a one this is a connection yeah you know it's so important that the industry goes forward like that. That's, that's just my humble opinion, you know. I'm not here to speak for anybody else, but yeah. that's what I feel about it. That is very true. It's, that, it's also that thinking ahead, not expecting things to just be the way they are. Yes. Or expecting someone to read your mind. Yes. But just very much so opening up a conversation and saying, this is what I need, this yeah. is what is potentially available. Yeah. And even on the other side, how can we help you? How can we move forward? How can we yeah. make this the best for everybody? Yeah, because yeah. we're a team, right? Yeah. You know, no matter which piece of artwork we do, we're all a team, you know. And for that moment that we all come together, it's like being a family. And coming back to team, there has to be a team around you. You have to understand, like... I don't work without my four singing teachers. I have like four singing teachers. Carlos Conde, <laughs> Anthea Paraschak, Michael Harper, Nina Rautio. I, I work with all of those four because each one of them, especially with my neurodiversity, mm. gives me a different part piece of the puzzle that allows me to understand what happens within that. You know, I have my team of friends, the people that I ring up at 3 a.m. in the morning and all the people that can bring me at 3am in the morning and yeah. um, you know I have my um, team of health people that help me to stay alive and kicking and well I have my team of coaches that you know you know support my singing coaching but also my mental coaching mm-hmm. as well so it, you really have to find your team and to recognize that within the team you don't, you don't, um, you're a part of the team, you're walking with them. It's not just that you, you're, it's all about you, it's that they help make you work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's yeah. all part of the puzzle. Yeah. 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 Um, in 2021, you were awarded an MBE yes, for I your services yeah. to um, opera. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Um, but actually, just yesterday, you sang in the Commonwealth Service for yeah. the Queen that was on BBC One. Can yeah. you tell us all about this? This sounds very exciting. Yesterday, as in 
uh, Monday the 14th of March. It was firstly, I'd write, I was supposed to be in Norway and then I got asked to do this and then I had to cancel my trip to Norway. I really wanted to see the Northern Lights. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, but I realised that it felt like I was being called to service and I do believe that the work that I do is all about being in service to others. You know, again, just what we're talking about, I wasn't singing an operatic aria. I was singing a classical piece, but it wasn't an operatic aria. And so I, I said yes to this piece, and it was really in collaboration with the composer of just seeing how we could make this piece come alive, you know, um, when we presented it, because it was a world premiere. <sighs> it was wonderful to be thought of uh, mm. by the producers, and it was wonderful to... Um, be with Emily Sanday <laughs> and Misha Paris, yeah. um, uh, you know, um, Julian um, Malvert, you know, loads of people that just I really respect and honour, like Abigail Cole as well. It was just really beautiful. Um, and um, Debbie Wiseman is so used to working in that capacity herself. But it was lovely meeting the royal family, you know, and um, they just kept saying to me, oh, we thought you were going to blow the roof off. Because <laughs> I hit a top C right at the end. Wow. So that was quite interesting. You know, but it was, it was, I felt like I was serving the country yesterday. Wow. And you know. What and, an honour. Yeah, it was an honour. And one of the things that I've always said is that I'm a, a, I'm a singer of the people. And B, I always wanted to be a British up for British soprano. I wanted to represent Britain as you know, as a soprano, in whatever capacity I could. And I feel really proud of today that I feel that I can safely say that I have done that. And so maybe that's why my route in the road is now thinking into de different spaces because, as an artist, I believe we're always expanding. Mm. And um, in order for us to go. To, to just deepen our understanding of life, we must set ourselves our own standards. And we're never in competition with anyone else. We're always just in competition with the best of ourselves. And uh, yeah. that's, that's the next fork in the road for me. <laughs> well, that's for sure. We should never be in competition with each other, just no. with ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So alongside your talents in music, you are also a fully qualified high performance coach and mentor. Yes. And in 2015, you founded your own opera and mentorship business everybody can mm. which sounds incredible mm -hmm. what is your vision for this program and how can people find out more mm. so everybody can just i just woke up out of a dream and i just saw this banner everybody can you know and i realized that a lot of my life has been about walking through adversity walking in courage walking in faith and um and i get a lot of people that have come up to me and said, oh, well, I can't do this because of this, and I can't do this because of that. And then I realised that in my life, people would say to me, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. And I was like, no, actually, we can, everybody can. Even if our steps are minuscule, we can move the fork. There is always a place to move a fork in the road. And then I realised, you know, I really believe in mentorship. I watched um, the careers of Maria Callas and Joan Sutherland, all of those people were mentored, Martina Arroyo, they were all mentored all the time. And um, I felt that that had been lost within our industry. And um, I thought, well, at the time when I started it, I thought, well, I don't have much opera experience, but I do have 
and you know I've been a coach for nearly 20 years I'm a mind coach and a, you know and the certified high performance coaching and I'm, I'm a great coach and I understand that now more than anything especially after the pandemic when you know I was put in a position where I think I mentored about 500 people wow. and I loved it and it and I loved seeing where um you know elevating our mental states and facilitating that change you know um, but I realised that when I was around in my space, that I didn't, there weren't enough people for me to pinpoint my that on for me. And I thought, I want to create a space where that actually happens. Then once I'd started mentoring people, they needed some way to show it. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, let's <laughs> it up for company. It won't do a, a shows every year because there's no point, you know. But every couple of years or every three years, we'll put on something to signify some of the people that I've worked with. And, you know, and let's see, you know, what... And then some people choose to be stage managers, some people choose to be chorus directors or mm-hmm. costume, but they're always looking for different ways to express themselves. And I just love it. I love that it's something that is innately part of my artistry. It's not, they're not, it's not separate. Mm-hmm. And um, I think our mental health is not separate from our artistry either, you know, and how we set ourselves up. I mean, to be able to sing yesterday in that in that... Thing. It takes a lot of courage to stand in your strength, to stand in your power, to stand for your art, to stand for what you have to say in your heart. They all take uh, tools of learning, tools of confidence, tools of charisma, tools of courage, you know, uh, to recognise when you're challenged and how to change your technique if something happened in the middle of it, you know. So it's, it's really good to talk through with people and to uplift them and elevate them and take people from self-sabotage to self-mastery. Yeah. That's really excellent. <laughs> it's probably also one of those things I find, we were talking about this last week, two weeks ago, that when you're teaching someone else, it's so easy to tell them what you need to hear and it's probably yeah, it also for you, like, in not in a selfish way, but, like, you also learn from the experience. It's not just a selfless act. It's just you learn about yourself and about them and about how to build that courage. Yeah, well, I think you can never, as a coach, as a professional coach, I can never take people if I, to a place that I'm not willing to go to myself. Yeah. So I need to always be walking my talk. And believe me, that is one of my daily things that I do. Um, I bust myself often if I if I'm having a thought process that's not empowering me, you know. Then I'll bring up one of my team of friends and say, "Hi, this is going on. Can we sort this out?" If I've got something that's um, you know bothering me and I'm procrastinating on it, I might bring up a friend and say, "Hi, can you sit with me while I do this for sixty minutes?" It's about showing our vulnerabilities, that transparency again that we're mm. coming back to, you know, that. Um, I'm not saying that because I'm a great coach that um, I'm any better than anybody else. I'm just telling you, letting you know that I have all these tools and that instead of it taking it years to come out of it, it takes me an hour. (laughs) So do you want to learn how to do these things? Because I'm willing to show you. But, you know, these things are a practice of habits. They're not something, it's active. Love is active. Peace is active. You know, this is going on with... um, Ukraine and Russia and everything at the moment, you know, we're in global crisis, you know, and, you know, we talk about peace, love, light, but these are active. So even if you're just sitting down and sending a prayer to those people every night, that's an act of peace. That's an act of love. 
you know, our habits are active. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you seem like the perfect person to answer this next question, and you've given so much already, but can you share some advice for young artists starting out in their career? What advice would you give? So um, I suppose a suggestion that I would give is just, you know, make sure that um, you have the frameworks in place. If you still need to learn the piano, learn the piano. If you still need Italian lessons, go and have learned Italian lessons. They don't have to cost you anything. You'll have an Italian student in your class or something that you know that you can actually work with. Same with German, French, like get your languages going. Theory, make sure you're good on the theory. When you're looking at a score, make sure you're looking at the orchestration, not just your line. What is everybody else singing? (laughs) You know, have that relationship. When you go in prepared, like that there is there is the, everybody in the team knows that you have something to say you know when you're looking at roles you know go in with an idea of how you wish to 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 make that character come alive don't just wait for the director to put you in that space <laughs> you know don't wait till you come out of conservatoire to start being seen you know make um find your local church or your local community center start putting on a concert there every year i put on a concert every year in uh, st paul's in Covent garden wow. i think i'm on my 13th or 14th year, ne- wow. year there now it's free everybody knows in december around between the 9th and the 16th nadine's having a concert there <laughs> it's free yeah people who have never heard opera people who have heard opera find a space that they can come and watch a professional artist. You know, I was a fledgling when I started. They now see a professional artist that they can come and have a relationship with, chat with, catch up with, hear my story. People are interested in your journey. Mm. You know, create your journey, you know, so people can become involved in it. Look after your mental health, okay? Really, really look after, get enough sleep. Eight hours sleep a night. It's really, really, really important. The amount of hours you lose in your day if you don't give yourself enough sleep. Hydrate, water, so, so important. Your brain doesn't function if you don't drink at least a litre and a half of water a day. You know, and that's not just for brain function, it's also for bowel function, you know. <laughs> um, when you're about to sing a concert, don't wait like to, to hydrate before the concert. You must be hydrated four hours before your concert happens. Mm. You know, I mean, I could go on forever, <laughs> but there are so many things that you could share with someone. But I think, you know, live from your heart, be a great colleague, be kind, be generous. Um, and, you know, if you have self-doubt or imposter syndrome, we all have imposter syndrome. It happens to everyone as we keep going up the ladder. You're in a new space every time you go up in the ladder. Imposter syndrome will strike every time. So don't think that this is ever going to go away. Just learn to cope with it better. Mm-hmm. You know, so live from your heart. You know, live from the inspirations that you're getting, the desires that you're getting, the wishes that you're getting. And if you really know something, not just believe, but know something, it's cellular, you feel it, don't let anyone take you off your journey. And I mean anyone. Mm. Anyone. Anything exciting coming up that we should keep our eye out for? Yeah, well, I'm doing migrations with WNO, that should be Welsh National Opera, which should be really amazing. I'm doing a gala, opera gala concert with um, the CBSO um, in April. Um, I'm doing um, some stuff with the Cohen Ensemble. 
Oh my goodness, I'm sure there's... You're busy. Yeah, busy, I'm, busy. It's so nice to hear. <laughs> well, I'm productive. I don't like the word busy because when I looked it up um, where the word originates from, it means anxiety. And so I like to say that I'm productive. You are productive. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm always like um, looking, working and collaborating, whether it's on my own or with others. Um, and I've got some stuff coming up with ENO as well and some more recording in, um, in, in the pipeline as well. So I love what I do. I just love, 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 love. What I love what we do. Yeah. I love that I'm sitting in front of a soprano and a mezzo right now who uh, have cultivated a podcast, you see, because this is what Everybody Can is about, is that we're not just here as um, these voices that stand and sing. What we are are artists who have different voices. This is, a, this is one of your voices. You choose another voice when you step on the stage. You choose another voice maybe when you talk to your audience. We, we have so many voices. Use all of them, you know, and um, it's really important. Fantastic. And where can people um, follow along with your engagements online, website, that sort yeah, of thing? Yeah, so my, engage- my, my engagements can be followed on nadinebenjamin.com. Um, you can follow me on Instagram on Nadine Benjamin Soprano um, and everybody can, everybodycan.com. Oh, nice. Um, I will um, have. I was available. <laughs> wow. I told you it came in a dream. Yeah. I'm a bit psychic. So <laughs> when things come in a dream for me, I act on them straight away. And I'm one of those people, I act on things straight away. And I'm having a, I'm starting a new company um, called You Can which is going to be based on a more corporate setting that will take more people because I get a lot of CEOs and I get people who run organisations as well that want that support. Um, Mm. So I'm going to start working with them as well now. So that's really cool. Very exciting. Amazing. Nadine, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a fantastic chat and Mm. I can't wait for to release this. It's going to be a fantastic episode. Oh, lovely. Well, it's been lovely to have been invited and I thank you both. And well done to the both of you. I'm really proud. That's really great that you've got something fantastic off the ground. Thank Thank you. you. of the week this week is share with us your favourite Verdi heroine Ooh. did you think about this one yet or no? yeah I have I mean I go straight to Aida Aida, Oh, that's a good yeah. one because she's just powerful yeah and good yeah. costumes good, good costumes yeah no I'm thinking I, as a kid I would have said Traviata I would have said Violetta but then I kind of fell out of love with her but I think I'm kind of back to hurting now. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I feel like she's just one of those characters that the more in-depth you look at her, she's actually more and more interesting. Mm. And I can see why people do that opera so why often. Why did you fall out of love with her in the first place? Because I felt like it was just overdone. Yeah, a bit of an eye roll sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like, oh, they're doing Traviata again. Ah, <laughs> oh, surprise. <laughs> Season announced, we got Traviata. <laughs> it was like, ugh. It was just like, I was sick and tired of it. But then when I made my synopsis for La Traviata a couple years ago. It's a, it's a bloody good opera, isn't it? I, yeah, I really rediscovered it. And I was, a, I, I kind of understood why she's such a great heroine. Mm. And she's based on a real person. Ooh. But then, if she didn't exist, it would be Lady Macbeth. <gasps> yes. That's a great aria. Welcome, welcome, welcome 
to this week's talk show episode of Know It All, brought to you by our host, me, Abby Green. Um, so, with Nadine being such a big fan of American Art Song, and it being the month of March, I'm killing two birds with one stone here. It is Samuel Barber's birthday. Woo! Happy birthday, Samuel mm-hmm. Barber! <laughs> happy, happy birthday. He was born on March 9th, obviously many years ago. For those of you who don't know, Samuel Barber was one of the most prominent American composers of his time. He had a very close connection with Leotine Price, Mm -hmm. and he wrote the Hermit songs for her, which are amazing. They're on YouTube, I think. think They are. The recording of them doing it live is actually on YouTube. He plays piano and she is singing. And in addition to that, he also opened up the Met in 1966 with his opera, Anthony and Cleopatra, which Leotine Price then saying the lead role of Cleopatra, which we did talk about. Yeah, was that the opera that opened the bet? Yeah. Oh, yeah, right, yeah. Awesome. So I just wanted to give a little shout out to Barber. And also, he has some really great operas out there that should be performed a bit more. A bit more, I agree. Um, go listen. Go listen. That is all for episode 84 of AA Opera. Thank you so much for listening and a big, big, big thanks to Nadine for joining us for such a fantastic interview. Yes, um, thank you very much. We are AA Opera everywhere, so make sure that you subscribe to this podcast and you give us a lovely five-star rating because we, we really appreciate those five-star ratings. And also you can support us on... Patreon! Lots of goodies over there. If you visit patreon.com slash aaopera, you can join for as little as one pound a month. Yeah. So the we'll more people there. are there, the more goodies. That is right. And also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram. We have so many amazing episodes coming up this for the rest of the season and extra stuff happening over on Instagram. So please go over to Instagram and follow AA Opera. And always you can get in touch. We are aaoperapod at gmail.com or check out our website. aaoperapod.com, of course. Um, that being said, guys, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Have a good one. Bye-bye.